Recording is now started, and there is a fly in my room. I hate flies. Oh, that's a good question. What is your least favorite insect? Flies. I hate flies. I will walk around my house stalking a singular fly if I have to. Like worse than spiders? I I can avoid spiders, and I do hate spiders. Like, I hate the idea of big spiders. I hate the idea of being near spiders, but... Yeah, but they don't, like, come in your territory. Usually they're kind of cute to themselves. Yes, spiders will actively avoid you. Flies are too stupid to do even that. Yeah, mine's going to be spiders because I hate them so much. Um, Flies are annoying, though, especially, like, late at night when you're, like, in the dark and you have one monitor on or a TV on, and that one fly just keeps, like, going straight to it straight to it and you're like Ugh, and then you can't slap your monitor or slap your tv yep oh, first world problems am i right chris exactly <laughs> but Tongan is in there it looks like that might be his first winner bale a lovely range on the ball it's a fine pass into harry kane who shoots with devastating effect it is harry kane who scores song has a shot The wait is over for Tottenham fans. They now have a new head coach, and that man is Nuno Espirito Santo. Welcome to the Stateside Spurs podcast. Tonight, it is Chris and myself again. Um, I know you may uh, all be missing Austin's voice, but hey, we are too. So uh, you're stuck with us. Um, (laughs) Not even we can get Austin's voice. Uh, no. He has uh, returned from his trip to Texas back to uh, the D.C. area, but under the weather and exhausted. And so, uh, you know, we press on and uh, Chris and myself are here to discuss what feels like uh, something that may be too good to be true. Uh, and that might be the pessimist in me uh, or the first <laughs> man in me. But uh, we'll dig into that. Chris, how are you doing uh, this fine, uh, 61 degrees out here in Texas. How are you doing? I'm excited. I'm excited about this weekend. This is the, like I, I'm usually fairly pessimistic, particularly when things go our way, but I'm excited about this weekend. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm feeling good. Um, saw some injury news today. I think we're only. It seems like we're only going to be missing Skip this weekend. So yeah, that's pretty uh, I'm crazy. Good. I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm saying that's pretty crazy that Skip, obviously Tengang is out for the season, but Skip is the only one uh, that we're going to have pretty much a full squad heading into this final stretch, barring any injuries that, that may occur, knock on wood. Um, but having pretty much everyone to choose from uh, is nice. Uh, and so. And it's an odd feeling good. for us. Like, it's just weird yeah. as a Spurs fan to know, like, that. Uh, you know, we're only we're right as of right now, as of recording, we're down a man. We're down Skip, but I we've done okay without him. I think he adds on to what we've got. But I mean, well, it is what on. it is. Hold on, we've done okay. Okay, I mean, by that I mean we've done well. I mean, I I would have expected. I mean, given given the games that like Winks was getting and the performances we were getting from him. And that Conte seemed very happy to rely on him. I I, I wasn't too hopeful. But now, um, you know, with, with Bentacore playing the way he is, I think Hoybier is playing really well next to him and figuring himself out. So we've done well without Oliver Skip, who if you had told me at the beginning of the season that he was going to be injured for this long, I wouldn't have given you a prediction of the matches we've won. I would not have said we'd done as well. Yeah, well, tr- you also wouldn't have known that we had Bittencourt, uh you know, signed in January. And uh, But anyways, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about every squad member, essentially. But first, uh, I think we have to do our due diligence here and uh, talk about this Newcastle victory on Sunday. 
Um, we were kind of spread out all across the country because Austin was back in Texas. I was in North Carolina. I guess you were in Texas. Uh, and Chris, did you watch this game live? Newcastle? I did not. Um, you guys had the privilege of watching it live. I had to watch highlights because I could not get to a, a TV set and I wasn't going to be able to get to a TV set where I could sit and watch even a DVR version of the game. So it was literally one of those where I was just like, I gave up and just checked the score and watched highlights as they came. And then um, the day after the game, I actually got to sit down and watch it full. Okay, so you've seen the entirety. Uh, I have the seen the whole game now, yeah. Um, yeah, I was the, I was with Charlotte Spurs uh, with my fiance in North Carolina. We were there getting some engagement photos done. Uh, and I believe Austin is watching with Dallas Spurs here in Dallas uh, with his brother. And so we were watching live. And, uh, well, first off, let's just get to this, this starting lineup. Uh, a pretty big shock when it comes out uh, in the sense Actually, of here, our hold on real quick. Cause I'm gonna run downstairs. I gotta grab my kiddo because he just woke up like as we started. You're Give fine. Me two seconds. I'll be right back. So, sorry for that uh, little uh, delay. I had to edit that out. Uh, but Chris is now. Uh, we actually have our, our co-host here. Q is joining us, uh, and he's gonna help us break down the starting lineup. There was a shock when the starting lineup came out, Chris. That shock being that our wingbacks uh, were Daugherty and Emerson Royale. Uh, it looks like Regulon picked up a knock in training, I believe, or was it in, pre- in warm-ups? I'm not really sure. Do, do it was know? training. It was training, like, the day before. Yeah, so I think it was, like, a hamstring or something, something small because, you know, like, like you said earlier, he's uh, uh, available for selection here against Villa uh, on Saturday. But, yeah, so uh, starting Doherty at left wing back and Emerson at right wing back. Other than that, it's the starting lineup that we have grown to know. Uh, so, really, it's just Emerson slotting in. And Darty switching from the right to the left. Um, and no surprises there. And Newcastle starts, uh, you know, some, I think some surprises in my opinion. Um, starting Joe Linton. Uh, didn't, I, I think that probably should be Bruno um, Kermesh. Or I'm not really certain on his pronunciation for his last name. But still really confused why they didn't start him. I, I don't know. Yeah. I uh, they paid a good chunk of money for him from, for him from uh, Olympic Lyon. But... That's neither here nor there. The match gets started, Chris, and, uh, man, we are kind of uh, controlling the game and, and, you know, not really putting too much pressure on the Newcastle goal in in the sense of, like, uh, opportunities and chances, but uh, controlling possession and controlling the tempo of the game. Is that how you felt for the first 30 minutes? Yeah, but here, not to get too far ahead or to drag you too far back. So you saw the lineup. What were you thinking when you saw Doherty on the left and Emerson starting on the right? Like, what's your first first thought? My first thought is that at this point in time, I have zero doubts in anything that Conte puts onto the field. <laughs> I think that uh, I have just a, such a confidence in uh, the way that the players and the squad as a whole have reacted to Conte that if he feels like that is the best way to go about his wingback situation and not to slot in a Bergwijn at left wingback or, um, you know, even a, a, a Lucas or, you know, trying to get fancy and play a winger at wingback, then by all means, uh, in Conte, I trust. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously I would prefer to have Reginald or uh, prefer to have a um, uh, Sessegnon at left wingback, but Darty has been uh, – Known to, he's been playing well, you know, and he's been known to, to cut score goals in the right foot of his. And so I had some, some hope and faith there, and I thought it's good to get, you know, if Emerson's going to get another shot, why not? Why not here against Newcastle? It's uh, at home, uh, and we are in good form. And so uh, I thought it was a good opportunity for both wingbacks, uh, you know, who kind of were sent to the shadow realm in a sense of, you know, uh, us as a supporting you know, fan base saying, we need to go buy a right wing back. That's numero uno when it comes to a target this summer. And they got to show kind of what they were made of this match. So that, that was my thoughts. What about you? I, at first glance, was like, why not shift uh, Davies out to left wing back and bring somebody else into play at center back? 
Um, that was my gut reaction. In hindsight, was, looking back on it, it was your brought in. And that's why I said, yeah, that's why I was like, in hindsight, I look back at it now and I'm like, that would have disturbed. Uh, I guess the preference was keep that back three if Doherty is confident that he can play right wing back. Like, don't mess with what has been working. Take, yeah, and definitely that back three has been working. So, my first thought was shift Davies out, make him play left wing back, and then shift the the center backs over. But, like you said, two three minutes into the game was kind of like, oh yeah, okay, I see why now. Um, that back line has developed some chemistry between the three of them. They kind of know where they're what they're doing. So. The idea of shifting Davies out of that formulation and into a left wing back might disturb everybody's roles and everybody's understanding of what they're supposed to do. So in hindsight, I should have been more like you. I should have been more like, you know, I guess you got to give Comte some credit and just say he knows what he's doing. Let's roll with it. So, yeah, I was just kind of like, that's why I was like, uh, no, you got to you got to touch on the Doherty at right wing back or, or at left wing back and then. It was just a weird situation, and I was scared to death of it at first. Absolutely petrified. Yeah, and I understand that, and I think that's something that we've all thought about, is why not play Davies a left wing back? But, yeah, I think you're, you hit, hit it nail, you hit it right on the head there. You know, that those back three, it's like a, they have this this uh, chemistry together, of, of and they have been, honestly, even though we've allowed a goal here there, uh, and I'll talk more about our goal differential the past five games, but they have really, really, really come to play and solidified that 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 defensive core um, sitting uh, right in front of Hugo. So I, I I'd prefer not to, to screw that up. Even though Roden's been playing great for Wells, he hasn't got a a, a sniff of time under Conte um, and the Spurs team and, and Sanchez playing Sanchez at left wing back. Oh boy, yeah, pass. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I can understand that though because, uh, like I said, the right wing backs are what we feel like is probably the weakest part of our squad, and so having both of them play uh, is not probably desirable from a uh, pre-match perspective. But nonetheless, uh, that's the, what we went into uh, this game. So, uh, and once you get like like I said, two three minutes into it, we you, you felt comfortable. You felt like they knew their their roles. And, um, they played pretty well. Or not pretty well. They played excellent from, from yeah. the, the grand yeah. scheme of things. Uh, and so, man, controlling the game. Uh, I thought we were controlling the game very well. Um, and was, we did have some opportunities in the first uh, first 35, 40 minutes. Didn't put any of those opportunities away. Uh, and I'm always skeptical of that. Uh, I think that that is all Spurs fans' worries and maybe all just soccer fan. Um, you know. You're, you're the worry is always that if you don't score and you let a team stay in the game, then you They'll become more you. Yeah. Uh, you, you become more susceptible to uh, them just scoring a goal. Next thing you know, and, and and we have grown accustomed to over the past three years of uh, conceding a goal and heads drop and not being able to turn that around. But man, that is I think my biggest take takeaway from this game, but also what Conte has done from a mentality perspective in the squad is that. Okay, concede a goal. Uh, we're coming right back at you very quickly, and we did that. Uh, but first, before we talk about our onslaught of goals, uh, five unanswered, we got to talk about this uh, this this Newcastle goal. Uh, very silly tackle from Sun. Uh, yeah. When I saw it happen, even before the free kick uh, took place, I was like, "Why is he fouling there? Like that just—it's not necessary." Um, but it happens, and so let's talk about the free kick itself. Um, who's at fault for that free kick, uh, that goal? Is, it, is that Hugo? Uh, it's hard to narrow it down. I think there were a couple of, like, just kind of missteps. Is, is misstep the right word? Or is it just there were a couple of defensive lapses? Just brief, somebody shut off for just a split second, and I, I'm I'm – always worried that I guess it's I'm always worried at set pieces because it's kind of a weak spot that we always have um I do think Hugo Hugo gets a hand on it so and I think he's sided so I can't blame Hugo 
Um, but I, I want to say we can just chalk that up to a really good, well-played free kick that Hugo just didn't get to. Just not all the way. He didn't get enough on it to stop it. Because if he gets a hand on it, that's just a great save, and we move on, and we beat them 5-0. Um, this was just a free kick that snaked through the wall. He gets a hand on it, and and just not enough of it to turn it away. I I don't know that I necessarily maybe blame anybody. I just free kicks are a weakness for us, and it, it bit us again. Man, once again, I think you had it had it spot on there. I I think that we might be the worst team in the league when it comes to a uh, conceding from a corner or free kick or a spot kick, uh, but then also from scoring from those. I mean, we haven't scored from a free kick. Uh, a direct free kick in so, so long. I was going to um, say, when was the last time we scored from a free kick? Like, he, I think Harry Kane is like one one penalty away from being like the longest run of taking free kicks without actually scoring one. Yeah, I, I, think, I think he's on that run. I think he's been there long enough doing that. Um, yeah, that's believable. Yeah. I, I, do think, uh, I, I don't know if it's this season or in the last season, Sun scored from way out. Um, it was one of those like into the box. The- it was a bounce in the box that skipped past the keeper. I remember that. Yep. The corner, uh, Sadly, I can remember against, a free but- kick goal from that long ago because we haven't scored one in forever. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. I mean, the James Ward Prouses of the world uh, have just haunted us when it comes to uh, conceding free kicks or also just allowing set piece. Uh, conceding from set pieces uh, and I think that's that, that just kind of will come with hopefully some some time with Conte uh, in this uh, offseason we'll fix that but uh, it was a great strike strike from uh, I think it's Shar is his name I'm not sure for, for sure uh, I think he's a center back actually but great yeah, strike no clue how to pronounce uh, they, that <laughs> they go and uh, run down to uh, the visitor section and celebrate like they've just won the uh, Champions League but Two minutes later, uh, Sun makes up for his mistake, makes a great run um, down the left-hand side, cuts in, gets the corner. Uh, the corner uh, is is played, pops back out to Sun, and Sun hits a beautiful ball in, and none other than our boy Ben Davies with a flick header to the back post uh, equalizes for us. Uh, ben Davies. Ben Davies' first goal since 2018 or 17. I mean, it's, it's been, been a while since <laughs> uh, Ben Davies has uh, been on the score sheet. Um, but thoughts on that? Uh, Davies, right place, right time. Uh, Sun, beautiful ball. Where do you, where's your credit go for that uh, that equalizer? Um, I think actually a lot of credit has to be given to I believe it's Eric Dyer who collects that and taps it back out to Sun. Yeah. I give a lot of credit there for having the wherewithal to collect that ball with your back to the goal, look up and find someone who can immediately play it back into the box to make something happen. So I give a lot of credit to Eric Dyer there. Um, Sun is, he's a good crosser of the ball. So that's always going to be at least a good ball coming in. And I think Davies is just kind of right place, right time to get that, that tap in. I'm happy for him. Um, I think actually with the way that he has played under Conte this season, he deserves that goal. I think it's he deserves it for just how he's how well he's fit into Conte's uh, Conte's system. Yeah, I agree. I think Davies has been one of those like um, you know kind of a meme. Um, the, the, I think the the common oh, what when I'm listening to the other Spurs podcast, he's a six out of ten Davies is what, is what people usually refer him to. He's not going to be uh, the man of the match, but he's also not going to be usually the reason why you lose the match. Um, but under Conte, he has, you know, maybe become a seven and a half out of 10 guy, uh, from a match perspective and, uh, glad to see him get on the score sheet and man, going into halftime at one, one, uh, what were your thoughts as a whole in that first half? Uh, we could have done better, but we also could have done much, much worse than, than what we had. Um, but we were in control. It never it wasn't a situation where we went into the half and I thought, oh, we're not we're not playing well. I'm a little worried about this game. Newcastle could could nick this. I didn't feel that way going into the half. 
I just felt they had stolen a goal and we'd gotten it back and the second half would be a better performance. That's how I looked at it. Now, the other the other thing with that for me is that wasn't my initial reaction because remember I wasn't watching the game live. So I didn't see how we were playing the first time. I felt that way when I got to watch the um the replay, really. But when I saw 1-1 going into the half while I'm sitting watching a youth soccer game in Keller and I can't actually see how we're playing, I was a little bit more worried. So, yeah, yeah that 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 was kind of a big part for me. I didn't think about that. But, yeah, I, had a, I was a little more worried at the time. Second time around, I was, oh, it was okay. It was okay. Yeah, well, that also might have been because you, know, you knew the outcome. But uh, – <laughs> I, I, I agree. We played we played well. We we played. Uh, we deserved to probably be in the league, but definitely didn't deserve to be uh, trailing at half and come out in the second half. And honestly, um, Newcastle shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, they play high line. Uh, they play right into Spurs' uh, hands uh, when it comes to um, trying to. For some reason, these teams keep trying to press Kane. And honestly, I don't blame them because you don't want Kane to have time on the ball. But Kane's been proven to be able to lay it off. And now we have other players um, that can run off of Kane. Uh, so the, the Kulazewski, it's not just Sun, it's now Kulazewski, can run up the right-hand side. And uh, Bettencourt or Hoiberg or Romero or, or these wing-backs are now getting into the attack to where if you press Kane, he's pulling you out of position. He's creating that space in behind. Uh, and so the, I, I think that there's not really – Kane's unmarkable. In my opinion right now, Kane is undefendable. He's going to hold up the ball. He has the one of the best touches in the in the world, in my opinion. Uh, and he also has. I don't. I I cannot think of a better passer of the ball uh, in the entire in, in the entire world than Harry Kane. Um, from just uh, it, the amount of passes that he can hit, uh, the different techniques, the different style of passes he can hit. There was one that he played to Kulazewski that was just like, you know, very similar to the one he played to Sun against uh, City. Um, Are you talking about the one-touch through ball? Yeah, the one-touch through ball. That comes to him from, um, from, I think it's like Romero pings one to him, and he doesn't even, it almost looks like he doesn't even look up. He just knows Kulazewski is running past him and running running in, and he just one-touches a volley. Yeah. Through to Kulazewski, and it was just disgustingly sick. <laughs> That's the one. And then, uh, you know, uh, you also have to talk about Kane's assist to Doherty. Um, you know, some say that he was aiming for Son, and maybe so, but um, I think that he's probably aiming for Doherty and or Son. you got to put the ball in the danger area uh, and hope for the best. And Kane, that ball uh, for a diving header from Doherty uh, was a great ball from Kane. That's the, the goal that puts us up 2-1. Honestly, most times when we go up 2-1, I still feel uh, not comfortable. But at this point, I felt very comfortable. Uh, and, I, and that's weird because it's Davey and Doherty on the score sheet. Not what uh, you would expect to see from the Spurs team uh, when our third high score is uh, none other than own goal. But I uh, love seeing it. I love seeing these players come together. Uh, every time one of these different players that aren't expected to score, just the celebrations uh, and the camaraderie that is happening in the squad uh, just gives me a sense of belief that, you know, something special is happening here at Tottenham. Uh, thoughts on Doherty's performance as a whole? We're going to get into that in a little bit, but what were your thoughts of Doherty playing left wing back this match, Chris? Um, surprisingly good considering the other times that he's been at left wing back. Uh, he showed an, a terrible reliance on his right foot, which I'm always concerned with. If you have a right-footed player playing left wing back, that they're going to have to shift over every time to put in a cross or to use their, their right foot for everything. And he put himself, I think, in good enough positions to where he negated that weakness. Um, not eliminated it, because I don't know that he pinged in a bunch of crosses from that side, but you know, with a, at least a right-footed player at right wing back. And credit to Emerson, this was a much better game than he's played uh, for a while at right wing back. He he was able to, Darty was able to cut inside and get on the ball. And that's how he gets that goal. I am, 
I'm with you. I think he was aiming. I think Kane was aiming for Sun when Doherty scores. And Doherty just happened to be right place, right time because he is learning Conte's system. And I think that is probably the biggest takeaway from this game was this was a full-blown Conte ball effect where we're seeing true true wingbacks who are interchangeable can come in and, and play a game no matter how and be useful and, and be part of it. So Yeah, I mean, you said right place, right time, but honestly, Doherty has to make that run. It's not like he's just standing there and lucky. He's making the run uh, and, and getting into the box, and he has done such a great – man, I can't believe I'm saying this – he has done such a great job at doing that over the past uh, couple of months uh, at making himself available and, and being and getting up the field uh, and, and giving an option to those uh, to the, those front three. And uh, so credit to him, full credit to him for, you know, being the, the, the ultimate professional and just digging in. Uh, and, you know, it could have been very easy for him to uh, to give up, you know, thinking that he is for sure going to be sold this summer and he might be sold this summer still, but uh, got to give credit where credit's due. And he played a heck of a game, had a goal and an assist. Uh, let's talk. And he, honestly, he probably wanted that third goal. It looked like he was kind of upset that son uh, trapped that shot because he wanted, it's like he wanted to take that as well. I'm not sure if you remember that third goal. I think it was Emerson played it in, or maybe it was cool as played it in too. No, I think it was Emerson played it into Sonny. Um, uh, was it Emerson? I'm trying to remember which one. Now I gotta go back through and look at all the goals ah! and see which one it was. Third goal was a, a, a counterattack again. Uh, I think it was Kane played through to either Emerson or Kulazeski, and they, I think it was Kulazeski played it across to Sonny. Son one touched it with his left foot uh, to trap it and then hit it into the corner with his right foot. But Darty was literally right on top of him. Uh, that puts us up three one. Uh, Son another goal while he is not performing at an, you know the level that we can have seen he's still scoring goals still putting uh, the ball in the back of the net and you know he's a top three or four scorer in the Premier League this season so uh, hard to to be frustrated with that um, sort of return from another attacking player uh, what were your overall thoughts on Son this match? Okay, yeah. I mean, people keep saying he's, and I think he was. I was one of the main people saying that he was on a poor run of form uh, running these last few games. I think he was actually pretty good this one. If we're if he was on a downturn before, this is the the best he's been for a while in that Newcastle game. And you can say, granted, it was Newcastle, and they're not great, but I thought he played a really good game. Um, the work effort was there. He did get a goal. Probably could have had two. Uh, maybe even had enough chances to have three. But, I mean, not, not, hat, tricks, hat tricks are rare. So, um, I just – I thought he was good. I thought that was a really good game from Sun. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the best you can put. That's the best we can, way to put it. To be fair, though, like, who do you think didn't have a good match this game? From a Spurs perspective. Yeah, that's a, that's the other thing is, was there a poor performance on the field? Um, I did see a lot of people post-game trying to trying to find some point uh, with Emerson to say that he was bad, but that's a tough case to make even. So you're going to be hard-pressed to find anybody in that match who really had a bad game. I think that's extremely harsh. I mean, Emerson also was up against, you know, probably one of the most electric players uh, on Newcastle with uh, Allen St. Maximum. That dude's got pace, physicality. Um, so I, I thought he handled it pretty well uh, from, from that perspective. And also he got in the box to sort of goal, um, which is, like you said, part of Conte's system. So, but He's I think that doing a sense. lot more of the wing back things that we all know Conte wants from someone in that position. Now, whether or not he's doing them because, you know, Conte's been working with him or if it's one of those things where he's just he was just feeling himself in that game. We will find out. I'm sure he'll get at least one, maybe two more chances before the season's out. But it was definitely a better wing back style performance from him than than what we've seen. Yeah. I, I And yeah, so. 
that's just going to lead us into our fourth goal here. That uh, is a, a nice little one-two touch uh, from Emerson and I, not Emerson, uh, Darty, and I think it was Kane or it might have been Son. Fourth goal. Sure that uh, was fourth goal. Uh, the fourth goal is the Emerson goal. It is, uh, yeah, but Darty plays a one-two around the left wing back uh, with a, with somebody in the center of the pitch, gets the ball, cuts back on his right foot, crosses it, and Emerson's darting into the box like a striker. And uh, he literally is playing a center forward role when he gets that ball uh, and, and taps it into the corner um, to get his goal. Um, and you can see what it means to Emerson getting that first goal um, because the other goal that he got earlier in the season was was, was an own goal. Um, and it's 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 so when, when that goal goes in, my, Chris, my thought is this is the system Conte wants. A wing yeah. back. Uh, supplying an assist to another wing back. Right, this is right. uh, the system, and we're doing it with um, wing backs who we were just desperate to get rid of. You know, it, it's not even Sessegnon and, and Rehilon playing. Um, it, it, it's Darty and Emerson. Uh, Darty <laughs> supplying a pass to Emerson. Yeah. Like, what? That right, If you'd have told blow. me that before the game, if you'd have told me at the beginning of this game that, that both of them would end up on the score sheet, I would have called you a liar. Um, I imagine that oh, this was going to be our biggest weakness was the two of them. You would have called me insane. If I told you that Darty <laughs> and Emerson and Davies get on the score sheet, you would have asked me, what am I smoking? Um, and probably called the police on me because uh, there, there's not a bookie that would even offer those odds. That's like Leicester city winning the league odds. Um, but nonetheless, it, it happened. And so uh, up 4-1, we start to see some subs here. Uh, Minx comes on for Benton Core because he picked up an early uh, yellow card and, and just, you know, just to save those legs. Um, and then uh, we play fourth. We switched to a fourth at back, which I found very interesting. Lucas comes on for Pulisewski, Uh And then I think it was Emerson comes off here for, was it Emerson or Darty? I think Emerson came off and Darty switched to the right side. Uh, and came off for Bergvine, and we went, switched to a four at the back. And I think this is a little bit of Conte tinkering around uh, with systems here and, and different formations. Did you catch uh, – did, did you notice that when you were going back and rewatching that with the last 10 minutes of the game, 10, 15 minutes of the game? My bad. I was muted. <laughs> um, no, it, I get what you're saying. It was weird to see Emerson, uh, you know, you're, you're pulling your right wing back off and putting on a left winger. So it was weird to see, you know, you're expecting this one formation from Conte. I think you're kind of right. I think he's he was at that point kind of tinkering around with what happens if I do this? Let's see what happens if we switch to a four at the back and then have, you know, a, a line of three behind. Um, I guess that would be a line of three behind Kane. So here's here, here's what I saw. And, and I pointed this out to Bethany when we were in the pub. Bergvine comes on. Uh, it's just so fourth to back. Davies goes to left back. Darty goes to right back. Uh, and then I see uh, Winks and Hoiberg playing the two. I see mm-hmm. Kane drop back as the 10 here. And Bergvine, Son, and Lucas. So Bergvine is leading the line. If you go back and watch that last. I do see that. Okay. Minutes, Bergvine's leading the line here. Uh, and so he is testing out Bergvine as a striker and Kane as a playmaker. Uh, because. Kane is, like I said, the be- the best distributor of the ball. Uh, it can also, uh, in that position, can also strike from distance, but can also get in the box um, after distributing the ball out wide. And so Bergvine's playing as a striker here, and that's where he finds his goal. Three minutes after entering the pitch, uh, Lucas uh, does what Lucas does best. He uses his pace, gets around a defender, ball squeaks through to Bergvine onside, and man, Bergvine is full of confidence, Chris. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I and I'd love to see it. It's I'd love to see a player full of confidence get a goal like that. I hate that he's been on so few minutes. It's so frustrating to know that he's that good and he's on the bench. But it speaks volumes of how good and how highly thought of Son is that Conte is just like I got it. I I know Bergvine's on a hot streak, but I got to keep Son in, in, in matches. Um, 
And I wonder, you know, if you're right, if maybe Conte's working on other things with Bergvine. Um, do we need a second striker? Maybe he's planning on using this kind of formation where he puts Bergvine. And that is a disgustingly pacey lineup. Can you imagine how frightening that is for a back line with Kane sitting deeper and playing a 10, like a true 10? And having players as fast as Sun, Bergvine, and Lucas ahead of him. Yeah, um, <laughs> that, that is that is scary. And then you, you even put in the, the thought of Kulazeski playing maybe where Lucas is playing, and you still have two really quick players, but also uh, Kulazeski that adds to the physicality of that front line. So you have a good balance of speed and strength. Yeah, um, I think it's something that we will see before the end of the season. I think that we're going to see maybe in a game where we're trailing or we're not playing uh, to the standard that Conte wants with that, that three at the back system. He does a transition, pulls off a defender uh, and slots in Bergvine. Uh, and you want to see Bergvine get those minutes. I wanted to see him get it like 20 to 25 minutes, even when, I did. Yeah. Uh, even when the sub was coming on the 80th minute, I looked at Bethany. I was like, Oh, um, you know, this is the sub you wanted. And I was like, it's just too late. I want him to have more time. It's too late. Uh, and then, of course, he scores three minutes later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I honestly wanted him to come on it's 13, 15 when Lucas than... was on. Like When Lucas was coming on, yeah, I was I really thinking that should be Bergman. Yeah, uh, that was exactly my thoughts, too. I saw Lucas O'Means come on, I was like, that should be Bergman. But nonetheless, all you can do as a player is you can uh, you can, you can can do your best when given the opportunity to do so. And, and I would say Bergvine. Did that. So did Lucas uh, with that uh, assist and uh, the effort that Lucas puts in. And I thought Wings played really well, too. Even though you're up 4-1 uh, when coming onto the pitch, you still have a job to do. And I thought he played pretty well, uh, all things considered. So, uh, honestly, one of the best games I've seen. Uh, definitely one of the best halves of football I've seen uh, under yeah. Conte. And maybe just in general under, you know, just total domination. I can't really think of any opportunities that uh, Newcastle really had uh, or threatened. Um, Hugo's goal uh, and a well-deserved three points, right, Chris? Yeah, um, I think they ended up with uh, like eight shots total, but only one on target for their one goal. And you watch that second half, but it really doesn't matter if you're rewatching it or if you're watching it the first time. There's no feeling at all that Newcastle is in that game at all. From the really from the kickoff of the first half, it looked like okay, that's we're gonna put them away now, and that's a weird. It's a great feeling to have about Spurs, but it's a weird feeling because it's not what I'm used to. So that's really yeah. strange, like getting that feeling about Spurs. Of, okay, we're going to go ahead and it was nice playing, but we're going to go ahead and put this away now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you know, I need to ask you, who's your man of the match, Chris? Um, I'm, honestly, it's got to be between Kane and Romero for me. And I'd honestly say Romero. Love Kane. I think he had a great game. And I think it's like a nose. But I'd give it to Romero. The man was absolutely anything Newcastle started. And I think that's he's one of the main reasons that we didn't see much Newcastle action is they just could not get anywhere close to Romero um, in their attack. They just could not get around him. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would give it to Romero, but if I'm giving it to Romero, it would be because he was like a nine and Harry Kane was like an 8.9. That's how close I yeah. think it would be between the two of them. Yeah, I would even say Kane, uh, I would say Romero's like a nine and a half and Kane is like a 9.4. I mean, both yeah. of them were excellent. If Kane scores a goal, he probably gets it, but yeah, uh, yeah. and Kane probably deserved a goal. Um, I think that's even what Conte said in his post-match was that he felt sorry for Kane because he played so well. He deserved a goal. Um, but I, I also believe that Kane is a, the ultimate team player, and he could honestly care less. He much more cares about. Well, I mean, he points. said that. <laughs> yeah. He said that a number of times. He's more like at this point, he feels like he's won all of the individual awards that he wants. Now he wants a team trophy. And I 100% am on board with that. Go get one in a Spurs yeah. shirt. Yeah, in a, that's that's a very key thing in a Spurs shirt. Um, so uh, I, 
I do want to ask you, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, our midfield here? You were talking earlier about Skip, um, but Bittencourt and, and Hoiberg have really, really, sh- uh, you know, just dominated uh, from a midfield perspective. Uh, I, even back to the City game, I, I think they have just really shown, since Bittencourt has come back into the squad to replace Winks, um, those two have just been, you know, have been sweet, 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 sweet to watch play together. Um, do you think this is a duo uh, for the future, or do you think when a fully healthy skip replaces uh, one of these two? Um, I think, like you said, I, I think very much like the back line, how we talked about the back line has kind of um, gelled together. I think Hoybeer and Bentecourt have kind of gelled together in, in the way that they play. They've learned to play well as a, uh, as a duo. And then... Um, I, I, for me, I've always loved the idea of having depth, particularly at midfield. So I like the idea of a player like Skip coming in and giving Conte a different player because Skip's not like Ventricor or or Hoybier or Winks. Um, he's a different beast in the two of them. So I like having a different option that a manager can work with tactically. So I don't know that it's. I think he comes in and pos- possibly he replaces them in certain situations. Um, and, and I think given how good he is at such a young age, you do try and prioritize his minutes and get him out on the pitch and get him working with everybody as much as possible so that he continues to improve. So to answer your question, I think when he is healthy and he comes back and he's in form, he probably replaces Hoybier. And it becomes a skip in Bentecourt, uh midfield. And then Hoybier is probably like your first option off the bench. Winks is fourth choice. Um, who knows if he's still even here next summer or if uh, possibly Skip is wearing that number eight. You still there? Did I lose you? Yeah, I'm here. I'm <laughs> oh, joining. Uh, yeah, nah, yeah. you're good. But, yeah, I, I think it's, it's – we just see some switching around. Um but I think Skip comes in and takes that second spot. I don't. I, I'm wondering what, because I do think we're going to go for a another midfielder in the summer. That's why I think Winks is going to be gone. I think he's he's going to end up playing next season at Palace or something like that. And I hope he's successful. If he stays, I hope he's successful. I hope he gets. I hope he improves. But um, I think he might be muscled out just on wanting more time. And I think Spurs might go for something a little more high profile in the summer and, and try and st- really find somebody who's going to be pushing to start and not just pushing to rotate. Yeah. I, 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 um, yeah, I think I'm torn right now. I, I, if, if I had to choose, I think that, um, Benson, Corn, Hoiberg have all of the, the, they, they have what I want in a midfield. I think I mean, that's what you want, right? That's you want that competition for midfield. I want the midfielders to be fighting for who's going to start because then everybody gets better. Everybody improves based on that because you're having to fight for your place. But if you have I honestly I feel like it's not that Winks is this bad player. I just think he's a squad player. It's not that he's terrible. He's just a squad player and he's not going to push past any of those three. He's just. It's, he's not. So it's time to call a spade a spade and move him on and find a player to go in that spot who's going to be more competitive. That's all. Yeah, and and I think that I would I, I would remain uh, even if Skip was healthy. I think I would I would keep Benjamin and Hoiberg because I think Benjamin and Skip are very similar players and Hoiberg is the destroyer type player. I don't um, know. Benjamin is kind of a destroyer himself. He is, but I think Benjamin can also be the uh, finesse player. He can, he it's can, like a, a he can silky destroyer. He's, he's silky. He can, uh, he has vision to his passes. You saw that with the city third goal um, to Kulazeski, and and Hoiberg it allows to do what Hoiberg does best and sit back and um, defend that that back three. Where I'm, I'm not sure um, maybe what that looks like from a uh, perspective. Um, of having Skip and Bentecourt. But I'm sure we'll get a chance to see that. So 
Um, just thought that would be interesting to, to kind of discuss here as we get closer and closer to the return of Skip um, in this lineup, or in the squad at least. Um, I, I read an article on Venticore and kind of his um, his change in role since coming from Juventus. At Juventus, they, they specifically played him more as a uh, kind of that destroyer role is just a, a defensive mid all the time. And it seems like he wasn't really happy just being classified as a defensive mid. He wanted to do more things. And Conte has kind of given him that license to be less of a defensive mid, more of a box-to-box. Yeah. Well, not only that, I mean, Benjamin Kors is 23 years old. I mean, Kulazewski 21 years old. These players have hit the ground running in the Premier League, and they are, um, you know, give, give me all your Juventus rejects, please. Um, <laughs> if this is what they're going to do, yes, I'll take them every, all day, every day. Yeah, I mean... As a 23-year-old, you can't ask for more than that. And uh, our our central midfield core with Hoiberg, Benton Core, and Skip is young. And I agree. We go out and get one more, and we have some great, great rotation as we are going to be entered into many competitions next uh, next year. Um, but I, I do see Winks probably being on the way. On the, I, Q, you agree, right? You, you want Winks out? I agree. Um, I, it'll it'll be sad to see Wings go because he's been such a great servant to the club. But I think just best from his career as well for his career uh, that we we move him on and we find another uh, just really talented player, maybe even an, old, an older player like a 27 to, to you know to 29 year old midfielder with with experience uh, to come in and add some solid rotation to the squad. Um, anything else you want to touch on from this game before we move on? No, five one. Points, uh, points in the bag, and very important points at that. Yeah. Uh, very important points, and also very important goals. To, to I, I think goal differential. There's a good chance that it could come down to goal differential, and we need to keep bagging these goals. Um, because Chris, let me give you some stats here before we jump into uh, this Villa preview. Uh, we have um, our last five games. We have scored 21 uh, goals. We have conceded four. Um, that gives us a plus 17 goal differential. Um, before the, this run of five Premier League games, we were sitting uh, at a total of minus two for the season. We are now at plus 15. Um, that is, I mean, that is City-esque uh, goal differential uh, that we are doing here. Uh, has that hit you? Have you even thought about that? What we're doing from a from a goal differential perspective? We're not just winning games, but we're dominating these games. I hadn't even thought about it. Like, you don't think about it till now that I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the uh, score sheet for the last. And from what I can see here, I'm looking at the last four games leading up to Villa, and that includes the so that includes the Man United game in. But yeah, in I mean, the United game, we still that was a three-two loss. So it's not as if we were just impotent that game. We scored two goals. Yeah, but we got that, Brighton got, two no with one uh, or Brighton two nil. West Ham 3-1 and uh, Newcastle 5-1. It's, we don't give up those those little silly goals against West Ham and Newcastle. And I just, oh, it's disgusting, the, the goals we're putting away now. And I, it's exciting. It's exciting to see. Yeah, two goals on set pieces, once again, uh, both those goals. And then yep. you look you look at the two Premier League games before the United game, uh, 5-0 against Everton, 4-0 against Leeds. So uh, we, we are scoring, you know, at least two goals a game uh, and averaging, real quick math here, uh, 21 over five, we're averaging f- over four goals a game. Um, no, well, I, I'll take that. <laughs> yes, please. Um, yes, please. But with that being said, uh, I think we need to look at the, the, the competition around us here uh, and, and see where they are trending as far as just their form. And so just to look at, uh, Arsenal um, have a, a zero one a minus two goal differential over their past five games. Um, that is who we are tied with for fourth at this moment. Uh, not going to spend much time on West Ham because they have uh, they're, they're two games behind Arsenal um, and three points behind them. Uh, but United uh, in their last five games in the Premier League. They are looking at a, uh, sorry, real quick, math, minus two. 
a uh, zero goal differential. So we're at plus 17, Arsenal at minus two, and United at zero. That just kind of shows you just kind of form and where we are. Yes, the table is tight. We are going to uh, have to buckle up and tighten uh, our, our seatbelts for this push uh, and for the final nine games. But uh, Tottenham are playing the best of these teams fighting for this mm-hmm. fourth position. Absolutely. Uh, and you can even go as far looking at, at Chelsea if you'd like um, in their last five because Chelsea are not uh, by any means locked into that third position. Uh, right, Chris? Yeah. Um, I, and actually, now that you say that, it really kind of hits home that they're on 59 points and we're on 54. So, uh, and, and Chelsea don't have an easy schedule uh, coming up to finish the season either. So, there's our schedule could really, really, really benefit us here, considering the, the schedule the teams around us have to play, uh, running up against each other on occasion. Arsenal, I think, has still has. United and Chelsea to play left in their schedule. Uh, um, United has, yeah, United has Chelsea and, um, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so they, yeah, they have to go through it. They, all three of these clubs have to play each other. And I think both of us are, it's not that I discount West Ham. It's just that it would take a miracle for them to right the ship and get back into um, that fourth spot and, and try and get back to keep themselves from sinking to seventh. Uh, yeah. It'd take a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. United also has to play Liverpool as well. Um, yep. So very, very tough schedule for United. Um, so Chelsea are at a plus four goal differential in their last five games. So it, honestly, it's just it's kind of astounding <laughs> what we have done uh, in recent matches. And so we have to look forward to this Villa game on Saturday at Villa Park. Chris, I'm going to be honest with you. If there is banana skin in these next four fixtures, this is um, it. This is it. This is the one I'm most scared of. Um, what about you? You know, we have Villa uh, this weekend, Brighton at home the following weekend, Brentford away the weekend after that, and then Leicester at home. Uh, what match scares you the most? This one. If you were if if you were to look at this next run of games and say, and if you were to offer me a draw on this game right now, I would take it. Just to say, let's get the point and and be on our way. Do I think we can win it? Yes. Do I think we should win it? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, looking at this next run of games, you're absolutely right. Uh, this is the one that I'm like, it's not that Villa are a good team and they attack, they, they attack, they can get after They can score goals when absolutely needed. Um, they haven't been the best run of form lately, but it, it, it could get ugly if, <laughs> yeah. if possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you here. Villa, I just think they, they have the talent um, to, to cause issues. They have the, the players and the skill positions. They have Ollie Watkins. Uh, they have Coutinho. They have Jacob Ramsey, who's a good player. Uh, Emiliano Martinez, their starting keeper, has the ability to stand on his head at any time um, and have a, have a worldie. Um, they have, you know... Leon Bailey can come in. They have Danny Ings, who I'm always worried about. They have um, Tyron Mings, who who is an England international. They have um, John McGinn, who I just always annoys me for some reason when I watch him play. <laughs> um, they they just have these players that have the ability to show up. And this is one of those matches that's a, a late kickoff on a Saturday, and I can see Villa Park um, just being a rocking atmosphere. Uh, and us needing to settle the st- settle uh, settle into this game, uh, and and maybe just slow things down a little bit uh, the first 15 20 minutes and make sure that we don't concede early um, and 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 hopefully score early to take this crowd out of it. Yeah, um, that's key right there. I I do think that this could be a just a very 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 uh, like I said tough game. This is the banana peel uh, fixture for me and these next four. Uh, we will have seen the result from Arsenal and Manchester United. Um, this this um, uh, by the time kickoff happens, I believe both those games are 9 a.m. kickoffs um, here in Texas. So Arsenal host Brighton uh, and United uh, play Everton early that morning, and Everton are uh, seriously in relegation a relegation battle right now. I don't think people want to realize it. People don't want to talk. I, I had this discussion with somebody on Facebook today that 
the the talk seriously needs to be had that Everton could be going down because they are just that bad. Yeah. Uh, and and I, here's what's crazy about Everton is their last three uh, Premier League games, they've gotten red cards. I, I think a lot of that is frustration from yeah. players. That's, that's frustration. That's anger in the players and just this isn't working. They're probably – I mean, your coach is Frank Lampard. So – not Frank Lampard. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm spaced out there. Either way, they have a terrible coach um, who has no. no system. Yeah, it's Lampard. It's Lampard. You're right. Okay. Gerard, so, Gerard is Villa. That's okay. That's what it is. That's what's throwing me off. But they, they don't have a good system. I don't think he's figured out at all how to play. And I don't want to turn this into an Everton podcast. But it's it's evident, and it should have been evident when he was at Chelsea, that he's lost. And he doesn't really know yet how to manage in the Premier League. He just he doesn't. He knows how to play in the Premier League, but that's not the same thing. He needed you know, at least a few years in League One or in the championship, cutting his teeth. And instead, um, he's got Premier League opportunities that should have gone to somebody else. Um, So, yeah, Everton have their own problems. I was actually looking at how Aston Villa had set up against Wolves, because I think it might be a good predictor of how they're going to set up against us. So what they did, and this is kind of what worries me, but at the same time doesn't. We do really well against teams that want to get after us and try and attack. Um, then we, excuse me, little cute coffin there. Um, it opens up space at the back where we can counter and, and cut through them and get opportunities for ourselves. Um, the way they set up against Wolves the other day was with a four at the back, but then um, three midfielders who sat deep right in front of their back four. So it was almost like a back deck of seven players just right in front of the goal. And then they let Coutinho, Bailey, and Watkins um, try and be the attacking force. It didn't work out well. They lost two to one. Um, but what worries me is, like you were saying, if we don't get out and score early, then they'll continue to grow confidence in the game. And with players like Coutinho and particularly uh, Watkins and Bailey, if they set up like this, it's going to create at least one or two opportunities for them to get forward and try and score. And if we don't score first and force them out of their shell early, then it could be costly because if they take their one opportunity, then we've got a problem. Um, so yeah, I, I, I stick, I stand by my earlier estimate that this, this could be the banana skin. This could be the problem game. I still think we can win it. I still don't think we should, but Aston Villa could be a problem. Yeah. Um, what are your predictions here? We have a full squad uh, available other than Skip. What do you think the starting lineup is? Uh, and really, all we got to talk about is the wingbacks here, right? What? Who are our starting wingbacks heading um, into this fixture? Darty's going to shift back over to his, his spot at right wingback. Um, that's vinegar in my mouth, but he's, um, he's in form, so you got to stick with him. And then um, the big question is going to be – I think he's probably going to go with Regulon because he's played more recently than Sessegnon. Sessegnon's been out for a while, but if they're both healthy, Sessegnon's probably on the bench. Reggie's probably starting. Everybody else is the same as always. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to argue that. I definitely see. What are you scratching it? Sorry, my dog's scratching at something. Okay, <laughs> that's a quarter. Quit. It's a coin. <laughs> Um, I, I, I think, um, it's a coin flip, Sessegnon and Regulon. Um, I am confident with either one of them though, whoever Conte yeah, puts out I'm there. Good I'm good with either one. So I, I'm going to go Sessegnon just for sake of a uh, difference, uh, a different opinion here. I see Sessegnon slotting back. I think this was Sessegnon's spot before he got injured. I think he played great. Um, not that Regulon played really poorly, um, just didn't take a lot of his opportunities and chances when Sessegnon was out. And if Sessegnon's healthy, I think he's the better attacker. He's a better threat from a goal-scoring perspective. Maybe Regulon's a, a better defender. Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, but I think Sessegnon has that ability that we saw when he was at Fulham and, and uh, he was the championship player of the season. 
um, in 2018, I think that was, 2019. And, and Sessions still young, 22. I mean, both these players are young. Um, but I, I think that from an attacking young. perspective, uh, Sessignon maybe gives a little bit more than Rekulon, so this is why I think uh, he gets the start here on Saturday. Um, so we got to talk about this. Uh, we got we to gotta get predictions here, Chris. Villa away, Villa Park, Saturday kickoff, 11.30. Great time to, to be watching a game, not too early to have a beer, not feel guilty about it. What are you, thought, uh, what are you thinking here uh, from a prediction standpoint? 3-1 Spurs. Okay. From the hip. Didn't even think about it. Um, th- three three <laughs> more goals added to the tally. I'm going to go 2-0 uh, Spurs. Two, okay, I'll take that too. Uh, and then Austin, for sake of uh, just picking for him, he's going to go 1-0. 4-0. 4-0. That is not an Austin pick. Not at all. That's why, <laughs> this is why we get to do it, because he's not here to, to tell us no. Um, and, yeah. That that would that would keep us in fourth, uh, barring Arsenal just having a crazy goal differential, um, which I don't see them scoring more than six against Brighton uh, or outscoring Brighton by six. Uh, and that's the banana peel. That's the one I'm really really worried about. Um, yeah. We can get through this weekend, stay level on points with uh, Arsenal, stay in this fourth position. Um, you know, we have a very good run in heading into uh, the next couple of games before we have to, 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 you know, basically line up with um, some very tough fixtures um, to head to, to, to finish the season out. And so we're not going to dive into that. I really want to get Austin on here. I really want to talk top four race. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I want to make sure that we take one game at a time. And we've been talking for about an hour now. So for the sake of people listening, uh, we're going to cut this one short uh, or not short, but we're going to we're going to stop it here at about an hour um, and hope that when we are doing this next week, Austin's joining us. We are still in this fourth position and we are talking about a fixture next week that consists of us going against um, Brighton at home. Uh, which I feel like is a very favorable one uh, for us um, just because Brighton has not been uh, in the best form. And that would uh, be great because Arsenal have to travel to St. Mary's against Southampton. Uh, And Southampton has two big matches. We should all be Saints fans these next two weekends. They play Chelsea at home this weekend and they play Arsenal at home the following weekend. So uh, come on you Saints would love to see two wins uh, or at least two draws um, stealing some points from these these two teams that we are chasing uh, and or competing with because I do think third is not out of the realm of possibility with the way that Chelsea are playing uh, and they have a big fixture to think about because they are down in the Champions League quarterfinals against Madrid um, three to one on aggregate have to go to the Bernabeu next weekend or no mid next middle of next week and so might need to think about resting some players against Southampton here. Did you uh, uh, did you read up on the Chelsea game today or on their pregame? No. So with uh, with the sanctions and everything going on, um, this is kind of played. I think the mentality that's going around Chelsea now is what's playing into their poor results. Um, so prior to the match, especially a Champions League game, they normally host like a pre-match dinner for their players and the opposing team. Um, and they couldn't do it. For the first time, they didn't have enough money to be able to feed their club and the traveling uh, and the traveling club and their their staff as well. So they had to to knock that expense out. Um, and then now there's rumors that uh, since they can't re-sign players at the moment or negotiate contracts until their their sale has been finalized, um, that basically Christensen has said he's. He's off to Barcelona already. Um, so yeah, it's just their 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 club is not in the greatest of moods. Long may it remain so. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I did, I have noticed there's still a lot of fans in the stands though. Uh, so fans that- who were who fans who had already bought tickets to matches can go. They cannot sell any new tickets. So that pretty much just gives them free free reign, right? Because I feel like a lot of those tickets are already sold, but they, yeah, they might have had a lot of pre-sold tickets, so they might be fine with that. They've already pulled in that revenue. 
but any new and those fans who have tickets now apparently can't like marketplace their uh their tickets it's either you use it or you lose it you can't really put it up back up on Ticketmaster and try to resell your ticket interesting um all right last thing i want to say is that um our our loanies are doing pretty well los also got man in the match against Bayern, um and and Dombele scored today against west ham in the europa league so um that's good news because not good news in the sense of i want them back at the club but good news because i want their value to go up so we can sell them exactly so i think I, um i think Vera is already is yeah. already trying to negotiate for Lacelso, which i'm perfectly fine with and i'm happy for him i agree i have no desire to, to, to have Lacelso back great that he's performing well in the spanish league i think that league probably is uh a I fit just for, fine yeah and uh, and Dombele, I would let him go for 40 mil if he wants to go back to, to anywhere, honestly. Um, so, but we'll talk transfer talk when that time comes. Not going to wrap that up uh, here in this podcast. But Chris, uh, <laughs> appreciate you joining, uh, getting this getting this done and getting this out before the weekend. And we will be back next week, hopefully with three points and uh, a full squad, all three of us. I was talking to Bethany tonight, uh, my fiance, and she was saying, uh, she asked if all three of us were amazing. No, she's like, I feel like it's been a while since all three of you guys have been on. And I was like, yeah, uh, but really, I feel like it's been a while since Austin's been on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I Austin. can't say anything. I went for a while where I couldn't get on here because this guy was having a tough time sleeping and got sick and everything. But oh, life happens. I'm just giving Austin a hard time. Uh, yeah, of course. That's sure. what we do. Austin, we love you. Hope you're feeling better. Look forward to to getting you on here next week. Uh, and Chris, as always, come on you Spurs. Come on you Spurs.